is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. We are jam-packed for the next two hours. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Sammy McKee, and the new fresh young blood to the real <laughs> Kipper and yes. Bourne show, David Sisboom. If you missed a thrilling bit of research on where Sis Boom Ba comes from, listen to yesterday's show. <laughs> and screwed up the lineup again. Derek Bandana was out sick today. Our good friend Andrew Dutch Holland is joining us today. Yes. Yes. Uh, I screwed up the lineup. I screwed up the lineup again. <laughs> Two days in a row. Hopefully, uh, we've got three guests today, and uh, hopefully, none of them challenge Brad May's record of three dropped calls, no, that, Sammy. That was uh, Colby. Oh, yeah, Colton, sorry. Colby. I've lost track. <laughs> Colby Armstrong not dropped Nor, three times. Colton Pareko. So, David Amber, Mike Rupp, Billy Guerin, general manager of the Minnesota Wild, he's going to be on board in the next hour to tee up the Minnesota Wild and the Toronto Maple Leafs Friday night matchup. In the meantime, practice as usual, and all the attention on the lines, the lines. Yes. Who's with who? I mean, nothing, nothing's any different, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was hoping you would tell me. <laughs> it but, looks exactly the same. They're going to go back with the same group they went with last game, which looked pretty good. I was ex- Until it didn't. I was really excited. for, Like I said yesterday, really anticipating uh, one of the reporters, maybe David Alter's tweet with all the different line combinations. Yeah. And it was exactly the same. So nothing different. Yeah. But we've had a little bit from Sheldon Keefe on both sides that he wasn't going to change it day to day. And right. then it was the feeling that he wasn't going to change it at all. And now Goldilocks is like right in the middle. <laughs> so it's not, it's not a one-off, but at the same time, it's not forever. So it's a three off <laughs> or maybe a four off and four tonight. We'll see how it goes. We'll figure it out after that. All right. Do we have any Sheldon keep on the line, Sammy? We do. Keith, on how many yeah, line combos he's thought of, second option. Yeah, lots. Um, you know, especially now that we've been through it and you, and you see how John's uh, really embraced being on the wing and, and how that's gone and then knowing that uh, O'Reilly has the ability to play the wing as well and we've got various other guys that can move around in positions. Yeah, there's, there's lots of options there for sure. So, um, you know, I'm very intrigued by the ability to move some things around. Um, you know, as I told told the guys from that line, in particular, though, that I think it is important that you know, while I do want to try different things, it, I, I don't think it makes any sense to have it be you know, me switching things every game or every couple of games. I, you know, we don't have that much schedule, but we do have enough schedule where we can give some team uh, give some things time to breathe a little bit uh, before moving on to the next thing. And there probably there will be a time, even if things are really rolling, that I do have to try some different things just to be to be certain that we have uh, given some time to multiple looks uh, to be prepared for anything that the future might bring. I kind of feel bad for Sheldon Keefe a little bit moving forward because there, there's such a, there, there was such a big buildup of mm-hmm. the versatility and the options and this and that, and I can do this. And it, it's going to be his job from here on in yeah. to nail 
what is perfect and when it's not perfect yeah. how long do you sit on it and wait and you know the vultures will be out there yeah. to say you waited too long or you should have done this and you could have done that and like there's a ton of pressure on yeah. Sheldon moving forward here to find that right uh, mix the the chemistry and you only get 24 games to do it and you don't want to be experimenting the last week before postseason. Like, you want to have this finalized for the final five games, don't you? You know, you want to know what your group is, not still tinkering with five games to go in the season. So call it under 20 games to figure it out. So, yeah, there's a lot of options and not a lot of runway to figure it out. I'll tell you another thing, too. If you get a couple of more, and that's all it's going to take, guys, a couple of more appearances... Maybe as early as Friday. Maybe it's Sunday against Seattle. Maybe it's versus McDavid or in Calgary. But if you get a couple of more looks of Ryan O'Reilly and Mitch Marner together, like you got in Buffalo, there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure for Sheldon to keep that. Mm -hmm. You know, interesting, because I was hearing him talk there and it reminded me of my parenting a six-year-old and a three-year-old and that once you do things one time, they think it's okay to do every time. And he has now put John Tavares on wing for a game. And I heard him in there say, you know, after seeing John adapt there pretty well and whatever, it's, you know, we've got a lot of options. My thought is now he's put him on the wing and it was okay. Is he open now to doing that in different ways, not just with Ryan O'Reilly you know, could things change where Tavares plays wing on a different line now? Like maybe with Austin Matthews and Willie Nylander. Or maybe, you know, that way you got Mitch and Ryan O'Reilly together, which they seem to have a nice dynamic. Could you create a third line where Tavares is a winger? You know, Achari and Camp can be your centers. Are there more options? Isn't, isn't there a name for that in baseball? Versatility? <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm dating myself, but that I remember like, uh, names like Garth Orge and Rance Mullenix where, oh, he's playing third, he's playing shortstop, they yeah. got him on left and left field. Utility guy. Right? He's a utility guy. Uh, he's BJ Bird one game. I don't know. He does it all. <laughs> blown away by a uh, BJ Bird reference uh, on the show. Is that even his name? I, think, I don't know. I like when guys, one of my big baseball takes is like, I like when guys just play their position yeah like when there's like oh this guy's a really good shortstop i don't need him to play second or third or left field the jays seem to be a little obsessed with that versatility anyways i'm getting the second year kevin biggio if things aren't going great at any position yeah you're like you're 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 below average at all of them yeah anyways and there will be times when it doesn't feel great for john Tavares. you just hope that if if it does come, it, it comes naturally as a guy that uh, maybe is just having a bad night, not a guy that is second-guessing the position that he's playing. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I wonder, like, if if the way to deploy these lines now is to not, because you have so many options, is to basically have every game be a one-period tryout or a half-a-game tryout where you're saying... Are we clicking? Are we not? Because you have so many things that you can go to, so many different looks. You mentioned the pressure on Keith. That'll be one of them is in-game adjustments and going away from things that aren't working quickly. Well, he, at least he's got a, a practice under his belt with uh, Achari and, and Ryan O'Reilly. Let's yeah. have a, a listen to Sheldon Keith. Yeah, I think it can only help, obviously. It's that, 
next piece of the puzzle. You know, they've played a home game. They've played a couple games on the road now, spent time with their teammates. So getting that feel for the practice and being in this facility and seeing more new faces and all those kind of things, it just sort of completes that adjustment period for them, I think. And, um, you know, everything will start to feel like, uh, feel a little more like normal, uh, at least the new normal for them. But And, uh, you know, I think both guys have been adjusting very well. Um, but talking to them today, they were just feeling like today was a good day for them. And a look at five forwards, which we've seen before earlier in the year, but never with Ryan O'Reilly but, as a top, uh, as five forwards on a power play. But only on the five on three. Right. That was a five on three. Oh, which, which, was that? which the Leafs have not had an opportunity five on three. Yes, this is my this favorite season. Leafs stat of the season that I did not know. Yeah, no five on, and not one. Only team in the NHL. Not one team in the NHL has committed an infraction on the Toronto Maple Leafs when they've been up a man. Perfect. Cleanest teams in the league play against the league. Well, that's just a ton of respect for a very dangerous. Yeah, a ton of respect is one word. A total joke is the other word. <laughs> <laughs> How does that, like, that's insane. Yeah. There's 25 games left. They haven't had five on three. Okay. That's mental. And then there's 12. They're going to have four in the power. Are, are there, the are there 12 teams with one? I don't know. All I know is the Leafs have zero. Well, That's the only number that matters to me. Bring me more information. I'll look into that. this. We'll get a useful or useless on that for you. Like, if- didn't they have a bunch in the playoffs against Tampa last year? By the way, the Leafs last year in the playoffs were on the power play a ton versus Tampa both Bay. Both teams way were way more than regular both, season. Both teams were. Yeah, both, there was like, yeah, it was. You couldn't breathe on a guy without a penalty getting called, setting the tone for the officials. And then there wasn't a penalty called the rest so, of the playoffs after that. So, so we're assuming now that if we ever see five forwards again on a power play, it will only be five on three because we saw it a few times already this season. No, I think uh, they'll they'll go to it if it's not working. I think that's option B. Yeah, I think that's legitimately the first next thing they'll do. It's bad English, isn't it? First next thing. First next thing. We'll see. Yeah, it seems like bad English. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got a lot of next things they could do, and it's the first next thing. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. In that context, seems a little better. <laughs> All right, it's Thursday. Uh, wrote an article today for the Toronto Star, focusing on the fact that Jake Muzzin's been out. And although we saw a very big trade lately, it didn't kind of revolve around finding a replacement for Jake Muzzin. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before we get into this conversation, let's just go to Sheldon Keefe on Jake Muzzin and uh, his thoughts. Not necessarily new for us. You're you're always holding out hope that things might settle for him, but I knew that it was probably going to be a, a real long shot. Uh, all that said, he has been in this in this facility every day that we've been here. Uh, he's at every game. He's made most of the road trips with us. And it really, it just speaks to, A, his character for wanting to continue to be a part of it, do all that he can to help the team while not playing, while also still pushing himself. And you see him in the gym consistently and all of those kind of things to, to do his do everything that he can, his control. Unfortunately, his body's just not uh, going to allow him to play uh, here this season. But, uh, again, speaks to this character to stay with it. Um, our players love having him around, uh, enjoy his personality, his friendship, and then his leadership and his perspective on things. Now it's a different perspective not being in uniform every day, yet he still has connections to our team he knows how we play he knows what the expectations are he's got great bonds with our players 
is a integral piece of our leadership group, and that will that won't change. And I've I've said this before. There's two ways you can go about it. You got the guy that's all in and still wants to be yeah. seen. I was that way when I broke my leg with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Always found a way to stay with the guys, watch it in the dressing room, mm-hmm. wait for them. Even when I was at a cast and crutches, uh, two or three guys are going out for a bite to eat after the game, I'd go with them. You know, right? it's, it's interesting too because in my time with the Leafs-Marlies organization, they tended to keep injured players away from the group because you call someone else up and there's another body in there and then you got all these people in the gym. There's just too many people around and so they generally wanted to keep people away, which is hard when you're injured and you're yeah. also excluded. So that's great that Muzzin is one of the guys. And there's also He's that. half front office th- th- at this there point. There is that, that uh, you don't want to take anyone's time up that's playing. Yeah. Right? So you got to schedule your therapy sessions. That, that's the big part is getting really your treatment early, before people really come late, in. Really uh, late, you know, in the afternoons. But the only, you know, just being around the guys. And some guys can handle it and some guys can't. And, Sammy uh, was saying he couldn't do it. Like, could you just? It would, wouldn't it drive you nuts knowing how good of a player you are when you got hurt? Like, it's not like he's forty years old. He was still a really valuable contributor to this team, and being around all the guys and seeing them practicing, and you're just not able to contribute would kill me. No, yeah. in the you know red little like, bit so on watching that someone today. else produce a show, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they were talking about Muzzin, like watching the guys play rebound after practice, and I was just like, man. Yeah, it would be really hard, I think. But good for him for wanting to stay involved. Yeah. And Yeah. And we just heard Sheldon Keefe saying that they were always a little hopeful, but anyone that really knew, knew there was no chance he was coming back. Right. There was no, although he skated on his own, there was just nothing there to ever think that this guy had a chance to come back this year. Right. In saying that, yes. he had plenty of time. To watch, talk, and figure out who is going to take his place. And there is no one on the roster and there's no one in the organization that can do that. My article today in, in the Toronto Star centered around having to now go in the next seven days, a little over a week, find a replacement Find that guy. Mm-hmm. When you went out and you got Ryan O'Reilly and you gave up what you gave up with no guarantees that he will be back next year, a pure rental as of now. In fact, other people speculated he might go back to St. Louis. You've, you, you, you showed your cards. Mm-hmm. You really did. And now the only thing left to do is push all your chips in the middle. And I think we we spoke of this a little earlier. And it was like, uh, I don't know, you, they're not going to give up knives. And I wouldn't give up knives. And I we mentioned Ekholm. And I'm like, well, you went out and got Ryan O'Reilly on a rental. You're, you're showing everybody it, the time is now. Yep. You cannot come out of next week's trade deadline with that same blue line. Good to see you guys have been listening to me. Great to have you both aboard. Welcome, welcome. Yeah. This feels great. Yeah. It's the only way to go. It is the only way to go. And if it's a, a first rounder and yeah. another prospect, if you can get away with not giving up nines, 
good on you. But if you have to, you do it. Ekholm, maybe then, one if Nashville would so, eat a million bucks or something for it, but then money would have to go out. I don't know how that would work. You know what? Uh, if if Yeah, if you can get them to eat 25% of it from here on in and, and you need to pay for it, then that's what you do. Yeah. So in defense of potentially trading in uh, Matthew Nice. Yeah. I was doing some texting this morning, buddy of mine, Nick Richard, who yeah. does a great job covering all the prospects. And I was asking him about when the Frozen Four is. And Frozen Four is April 6th to 8th. Okay. Yeah, well, eight, start the 12th. Don't they 14th? Uh, it's, it's, the Frozen Four is April 6th to 8th. Yeah. And, 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 and then the NHL 17th. playoffs yeah, yeah. start. On so here's what I'm getting. That late 17th? Yeah. All right. Here's what I'm getting. He gets a few practices in. <laughs> I think he, yeah. Sammy, go ahead. Don't you, so he, he plays, that's if they make the Frozen Four, but they're a prohibitive favorite to do it. They're the number one team in the nation. They're a wagon. They're a very, very good team, Minnesota, that he plays for. If you're looking at it, to me, the turnaround time and getting him not only signed on the dotted line, I guess convincing him, because last year we all thought he was going to be coming to Toronto and he didn't do it. He didn't sign. So it seems like there might be some convincing. You were hot. And still kind of hold it against him a little bit. Um, there's They play on the, I guess the, it finishes the eighth, the Frozen Four. And then you have three hockey games that week. You go into Florida to play the Panthers. Then the next night in Tampa. And then you come home and you play the Rangers. So you're telling me that you're going to sign Matthew Nyes, get him in a practice, play him against three of the best teams in the league, and have him ready to play in the playoffs for your team. First off, I like that the games that he would play are against very good teams to be like, here's the level we need you at. But boy, would that be overwhelming. Probably I just, less pressure than the final games of a national championship, though, to be honest. I, yeah, I would say. No, no, I disagree with that completely. It's the NHL. You're playing for one of the best Regular teams in the season, league. Though. Yeah, but there might be something to play for against Tampa in that game. Who knows with the standings, how they shake out. True. So, I don't know. I'm reading your article today, Kipper, and I'm starting to think like, yeah, you know what? Just trade them. Trade them to get a real D-man because they need it. All right. Um, By the way, that yeah is in support of Sammy being aggressive. I like that. Um, But you can't... Do you want to talk more about your article? No. Expand. Use the Jimmy VC example. Well, yeah, I did. Um, And there was nobody more hyped probably in in the last, what, 10, 15, 20 years than Jimmy VC coming out of college and how he declared himself... uh, uh, a free agent, mm-hmm. and the team's clamoring to sign him, including the Toronto Maple Leafs, including offering them to sign his brother if he signed. Well, didn't they hire his dad and sign the his brother? dad was involved like, as a oh, scout. And he was like, yeah, no. And sure enough, he's still in the league, and he's a serviceable player, but he is never going to be that frontline star. And I just, at at that point, if it's, not a hundred percent guarantee, then you cannot can't make the Brian O'Reilly trade without no half measures, Kipper. Right? It doesn't make you sense. Just can't. No, that's uh, what I've been thinking. In for about. a penny, that's in exactly for a pound. It. It's like, you know, you you go halfway in, you burn a big asset, but you still don't go far enough, so you lose. You might as well go in and win the damn yeah. series or go down yeah. trying. Like I, I wrote this whole article. Watching the second and third period in Buffalo, that to me was the the, the convincer. More, please, right? Need more. Like, can you? And we're talking about the forwards and all the versatility, and uh, you know, all the great options. And 
And there's no options on the blue line. There's nothing. No options. So you go Ekholm. Ekholm's left side guy, right? He's Muzzin. He's Muzzin. So Ekholm Hall, Riley Brody, Geo Lilligren. It's pretty good. It oh, is. It but changes I, quick. I would think. I, I would think at some point uh, a Nashville would have to uh, probably eat maybe a, a Hall contract. They'd have to take something back. Hmm. Probably to help alleviate it, depending on how much money they take off, right. of, off of Nashville. But right. listen, it's it's at home. It's uh, so you got Riley Brody at home. Know, is it maybe Hall Giordano Lilligren Provorov and and Philly? Is it? It has to be a guy that is already playing twenty minutes a night, and it's not a taxing twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. These guys, yeah. And Luke Shen's not it. Right? No, he's not it. So you'd like to add right. him rather than not add him. Let's but. bring him in. Now a regular on the show, David Amber, host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet. Wow, is that, <laughs> is that good? You did it. Thank you, you did pal. Pepper. How are you? We'll take we'll take every viewer. How are you? I'm, we're good. I'm a regular now. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm no, no, elevated. for sure. Because <laughs> uh, you know I. Didn't love your opinions a lot when we worked together, but uh, <laughs> they've got they've improved. Well, I'm trying my best. Yeah, you did beat me down a few times, and uh, deservedly so a few times. I'll admit that. But uh, my takes are less hot now; they're more lukewarmish. I I'll take anything you have for us, uh, DA. Right. So let's let's pick it up where we just uh, left off in terms of you know the 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 thought that uh, Kyle Dubas would not go and spend significant draft picks on rentals. And sure enough, he did with Ryan O'Reilly and the pressure that he has now to, to maybe just finish this roster off. It just seems a a little incomplete to me. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I mean, you guys, you know, I listen to the show all the time. I mean, there's substantial pressure, not just on Kyle Dubas, but on the players and, and all the way up the ladder at MLSC, right? Like, no team has ever lost in seven straight years in the first round in NHL history. Think about that. This would be a historic failure, and it's hard to even say that only because, again, they're staring down the Tampa Bay Lightning three-time defending East champs. So, yeah, there's still some tweaking to be done. Uh, the Jake Muzzin news, you know, they have to figure out what their cap situation is, but this isn't a time to be uh, conservative. This isn't a time you want to be measured in your approach, but there's got to be a, a sense of urgency here. And if, if I'm running the team, if I'm finding, you know, if I'm having discussions, I'm trying to land that stud defenseman. And I'm, I don't think it's an Eric Carlson situation with his whole cap hit and what he brings to the table. I think it's more of a Matias Ekholm. With every Predators loss, I have to think that David Poyle is starting to think, you know, I'm a seller. I'm not a buyer. He's even said he's not a buyer. So, you know, a guy like, to me, Matias Ekholm would be a perfect fit on this Leafs blue line. I think you have to try and find a way, and whether it's not at home or whether it's, you know, more, you know, a, a Joel Edmondson or whatever, there's there's a whole, you know, slew of guys that have been discussed as possible guys. That, to me, should be the next step. You've, you've fortified your forward position. You've added depth. You've added versatility, whether O'Reilly's up the middle or whether Tavares is up the middle or whether one, two, three with Matthews, they're all up the middle. Uh, and Achari's a great fit. Like, I think you've, you've done what you need to do maybe up front. Maybe you even have another 
forward to add. But bottom line is I think you have some versatility up front, and now it's about adding a solid defender that could really help lock things down. Because one thing we've noticed about this team is they're, they're very good defensively, but they still do give up a, a number of odd man rushes. I mean, we saw when they had the 5 nothing lead on Buffalo how quickly things can change. So, um, And you're not going into the playoffs with Vasilevsky or even Olmark at this point. You're going in with, with you know, Samsonov, Matt Murray. You're going in with guys who, you know, you're not 100% sure necessarily they're going to be able to carry the team in the playoffs. So to me, a, a defender makes all the sense in the world. And how does this affect Kyle Dubas's legacy and reputation? You know, he came in as the calculated, savvy, analytical guy who's going to build the organization. And like you get to a point like a lot of GMs where you just got to kind of push your chips in. And if it doesn't work this year, you know, will he be looked at as a guy who made the moves he had to, to make or a guy who burnt all the, the futures trying to protect his team? Or well, what are your thoughts on how it affects him? Well, I mean, that's a great question, Justin, right? Like, I, I think you ask 10 different people, you might get 10 different answers. Yeah. I mean, I think Kyle Dubas has had a lot of great successes. Um, unfortunately, the ultimate success, and that's playoff wins and losses and series wins and losses, have not met, been met in his favor. Um, not dissimilar to Lou Lamarillo and Brian Burke, et cetera. I mean, we can go down the last chain of, you know, of, of six or seven GMs that just haven't found playoff success with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, that whole narrative can change, guys. Um, it's not going to be easy, but I think certainly if there's some level of legitimate playoff success this year, that could totally change the narrative. And I think a lot of people who've been maybe lukewarm on, the, on some of the moves you've made will feel a lot more comfortable with, like, this was uh, a, a smart, measured approach, and here are finally the results that, that we've been wanting and needing to see. So it's an incredible amount of pressure on Dubas, and, and you're right, like, your legacy is remembered ultimately by the, the successes you have, right? Like, you know, Nick, more than anyone, could speak to that. Had the Rangers not won Game 7 versus Vancouver, we'd look at the whole Marc Messier era in New York differently. But you guys are Stanley Cup champs, and, and that becomes the defining, oh, yeah, Marc Messier, he brought the Cup to New York after 54 years. That's the narrative, period. And we're sort of waiting now for that last chapter to be written for the Toronto Maple Leafs um, with Kyle Dubas and, and look, the pieces are in place. Whether they're a good enough team to get past Tampa in the first round is yet to be seen. Um, and it's really unfortunate if they were in the if they were in any of the other three divisions. I, I really would love the Leafs' chances. And it's more of a fifty-fifty, you know, situation and scenario going up against a very good Tampa team. But I do, I do like. I think having this conversation, guys, in ten days after the trade deadline will have a much better sense. Like I just think there's still pieces to be put in place not just for the Leafs but for Tampa for Boston and for a lot of the other contending teams we're talking to David Amber host of Rogers Monday Night Hockey on Sportsnet is Matthew Knives to you a non-starter is he the one piece that Kyle has to maybe protect his legacy as as someone that even if he did lose his job uh he didn't selfishly uh do it you know, that's such a tough one, Kipper, and I'm not going to pretend to know Matthew Nyes inside and out. I see the, the, the highlights that we're seeing go out on Twitter. We know the scouting report. It's funny, uh, my producer on Monday nights is uh, Dave Azuma, and we're having a Matthew Nyes conversation, and, you know, he said the best comparable he can see for Matthew Nyes is Chris Kreider. And if you go and you look back, another NCAA player, and stature-wise and skill set-wise, skating-wise, there's a lot of similarities. And if you actually go back and look at their NCAA careers, he's kind of on that trajectory. Imagine if the Leafs go and they trade Matthew Nyes for a rental or to get that, that marquee blue liner, and then we've got to watch 10 years of Matthew Nyes scoring 
30 plus goals in the NHL. That, that's a that's a bitter pill to swallow. However, on the other side of the equation is what if Matthew Knife gets you that defender and at least go to a Stanley Cup final or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's great value in that. So I could see that being the blue chip they don't want to give away. And maybe one of the most uh, difficult things that's happened in the least this year, guys, is Nick Robertson, A, not developing, you know, showing, showcasing himself to be that bonafide score in the NHL and then getting hurt again. You know, that might have been the blue, that might have been the chip, the, the blue chip you could play uh, to get that stud defenseman forward, whatever the case may be. And I, I guess, obviously, Nick Robertson, that's that's not going to garner what a Matthew Nyes would garner at this point. So, um, you know, I'm not really answering your question. I, I think you have to take a measured approach. And you have to sort of see what's offered. But to me, if you can somehow fix the lineup, get it to where you need it to be, and hold Matthew Nyes, that's obviously would be priority number one. Yeah, it's uh, it's so true that the Robertson thing is such a like a forgotten asset. That was the thing. No one's ever been more right than Trayco saying trade him the day after he scored two in the newspaper. Um, <laughs> looking at uh, the wild card spot in the East EA, it's uh, I mean, it's rammed right now. Right now, you the Islanders in Florida, in Pittsburgh, Detroit, Washington, Buffalo, Ottawa. If you like, what are your thoughts and what's going to shake out there? And really, do any of those teams have a chance anyway? Oh my God! Well, it's so fun. First of all, it's really exciting because the six, the the three top teams in the Metro, the three top teams in the Atlantic, they're locked and loaded. The matchups are almost, you know, seemingly pretty close to being locked and loaded as well. So that's there's not a lot of drama there. But the I, this chase for the last two spots, you might even throw the Senators in there if they end up using the Zaitsev cap space, and you know they'd have to go crazy and go like you know 19 and seven or something stupid like that to have a shot. But you know they're not out of that conversation yet. Um, it's funny though. Like every time I start getting hot for a team, I was working with you Tuesday, Justin. And I was like, yeah, this Buffalo team, I really like the makeup, <laughs> you know, blah, blah. And then they, you know, within two minutes, they're down five, nothing, right? Like yeah. they're just, they're not consistent enough, but there's flaws on every single team. I don't know who's in the driver's seat. You know, you listen to Elliot Friedman and they'll say, well, the math isn't good for this team or the math isn't good for that team because of games played true, but you have to also like the team, you know, like, right. Uh, you know, Florida, the math isn't good, but at their best, Florida might be the best of that group at their best. And they're about to get, you know, Duclair back and Sam Bennett and, you know, they're trending in the right direction. Um, you know, I'll never bet against Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh because we've been fooled before. Oh, they're over the hill. Da, da, da. You know, we talk about the pressure in Toronto. There's pressure in Pittsburgh too. Like, yes, they've won the cup, this group collectively a few times, but you know, it's a new ownership group. And they went all in re-signing Rust and Malkin and, and everyone else. And they ran back the band. And now here they are, you know, teetering on a playoff position. So you could, you could talk about pressure being in, in a number of different markets. So it's wide open. It's, it's fruitless for me to even say, here are the two teams I think are going to make it because it changes on a day-to-day basis. If it's going to come down to goaltendings, the one thing I'll say is the Islanders, advantage Islanders. I think Sorokin is, you know, clearly the best goaltender in that group of teams seeking out a wildcard spot. But again, the math isn't great for the Islanders. They played the most games. So uh, it, what's fun, guys, is every game's important. Like, every game is meaningful now for those seven teams. So it makes it for a really exciting final, you know, six-week stretch of the season. Listen, I, I've, I've worked with you long enough to know that you just cheer for whoever will bring you the highest ratings. <laughs> <laughs> you know me well, Kipper. That yes. is true. So is there a... Is there ever a good thing if we start in April and there's no Sid or no Ovi in game ones? 
Uh, if we finish in June with a Connor and an Austin, we're okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, listen, I, I, I love, answer. you know, listen, Crosby's a sell, just like McKinnon's a sell, certainly out East and, and OV, you know, he's a sell as well. But at the end of the day, Kipper, it's been 30 years. And who would have thought after the run of the Montreal Canadiens, the Edmonton Oilers, the Calgary Flames, and, and all of those cups in the, in the late 70s, 80s, and into the 90, 1993, that we'd be sitting here three decades later saying, oh, my God, the cup hasn't been in Canada in 30 years. You know? I, I never assumed this drought would go on this long. And I know you guys all laughed at me. You know, you know I, I gave you guys a lot of uh, good material as I'd be kind of on the edge of my seat with every, every Canadian team game. But it's true. Like, I am kind yeah. of ready now for the cup to be back in Canada. I, I know that sounds so, whatever, cheerleader-y, but it's the fact of the matter. I think it'd be really cool. I don't care if it's the Winnipeg Jets at this point. You know, like, just it'd be pretty cool to see a Canadian team, a, team a, a, a fan base that is passionate and cares so much and has an insatiable appetite for hockey, be able to sort of host, you know, hoist the Stanley Cup and that fan base celebrate. And I think it's, it'd be really cool. I don't know if that's going to happen, um, it'd be great if it could happen in the next few years while we still have the NHL national rights, you know, but um, <laughs> I think it would be, it'd be phenomenal. Imagine, imagine if we got somehow an Edmonton Toronto final, like that, that story writes itself. It would just be sensational. So I'm still cheerleading Kipper, as you know, and, and it's good for all of us. It really is. Well, yeah. And on that Canadian front, like who do you like best? Do you like the, the Albertan teams, Edmonton, Calgary? You think they've got a good shot? I don't know. I mean, Calgary, Calgary has not won more than three games in a row all season. Is that right? Good teams, good teams find a way to rattle off five, six, seven wins in a row. Like, yeah. I don't know what to make of Calgary. Um, the volume of shots, like we saw again last night, 50-plus shots, that's great. But do they have finishers? Like, they've really missed Matthew Kachuk more than I thought they would. Um, you know, and Jonathan Huberto, it seems like he's maybe turning the corner, but he hasn't been that 115-point guy from a year ago, clearly. So, uh, and, and the bottom line there is they haven't gotten Vesna quality goaltending. So it's hard for me to be sitting here and saying, yeah, Calgary, Calgary, Calgary. No, Edmonton, just like Toronto, I think there's a fair amount of pressure on Ken Holland and that management group to, to add something. And just like the Leafs, you know, you could have asked me the question off the top, what do you think you always need to do? And I give you the same spiel. I'm a TS at home, uh, you know, like a stud defenseman, a lockdown type guy, or maybe in their case, an Eric Carlson, whatever. Um, they need some help on the blue line, some depth on the blue line. And I think if they go out and somehow find a way to make that happen, I really like Edmonton's chances in, and maybe even more so than the least chances. Not that I think Edmonton's a better team, but I think the path to the Stanley cup is far, far easier through the Pacific division potentially than it is through the Atlantic division. DA, I, I want you to know that if, if it ends up being Carolina versus Seattle in the <laughs> final, I'm, I'm watching you. I'll still watch you. <laughs> You're gonna watch me that I don't do anything crazy. Is what you mean? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, that, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be ideal, Kipper. And I don't want you to hear that you're cheering for that. I would be so Kipper to be cheering for that. My demise, like hey. that. No, it would. Listen, there's great storylines. There's great players on every team. There but is. I, yes. I, I said it earlier. Like, I just think it would be cool, even if we just get a Canadian team to the final. It just it ramps up the overall interest in our country. And I think it would be a really cool storyline to see play out. I'm with you, pal. All right, listen, we're going to yeah. let you go. Great stuff today. Always appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dave. Yeah, guys, anytime. Thanks for having me on and uh, enjoy the games tonight, fellas. Nice day. I appreciate it. David Amber, host of Rogers Monday night hockey on Sportsnet. What a guy. Um, yeah, it's interesting to talk about 
Kyle Dubas get David's thoughts on uh, on where he goes from here. But, I mean, I don't think we should put all of it on Kyle Dubas here. When mm-hmm. you're making a decision and it's, come on, it's got to be right up to Brendan Shanahan and, you know, depending on his relationship with the board. But there's just no way Kyle Dubas does anything without yeah. the support of Brendan Shanahan or the the stamp of approval to go get an Ekholm or a, a Gabrikov or anything else out there yeah. that could legitimately be a top four to give up a, another first rounder or a potential Matthew Nyes. That has to fall on Brendan Shanahan here yeah. as well. And it's funny because we tend to think of other teams and trust that their presidents are involved. I think that, um, you know, Jeff Gordon's got a lot to say in what happens in Montreal. And I think that Brendan Burke has a hand in, th- or sorry, uh, Brian Burke has a hand in things in Pittsburgh and go Mc- on and McPhee on. in Vegas. And Rutherford in Vancouver. Like, these guys are involved. So to think that Shanahan is just sitting there and being like, what are we going to do, Kyle? I think yeah, it's pretty yeah, unlikely. Um, I could not disagree more with Amber about wanting to see a team win the Stanley Cup Canadian team. You would you rather see Winnipeg win it or Vancouver win it than no whatever I say next? No. The only way I want the cup back in Canada is down Young Street, baby. <laughs> yes, and this it, is why you're going to have a meantime, cult following after the show. Uh, misery loves company. Mm. Let's it, all be miserable. You can't have one happy no team because in the it, NHL in Canada. No, because as a Leaf fan, Kipper, you have to understand that I'm all those from your perspective. But no, yeah, from all those fans of all those other teams. They would probably enjoy getting to throw it in Leaf fans' face more than they would actually enjoy winning the cup. Like that's like part, like that's like as yeah, big a right. part of winning the cup it's, is it's, to throw it in front of the Leaf fans' face. It's a Saturday night, uh, Toronto, in Vancouver. Like any win, any Canadian win against the Leafs. Yeah, people people in Toronto loved when Mark Shifley said nothing better than beating the Leafs on air because it just confirmed what they already knew. Well, oh yeah, that was a big thing for Leaf fans. But yeah. it's just I I usually. Will root for the biggest Canadian star that's left outside, I guess, Connor McDavid. But like, I always root for Sid whenever he was taking his runs. I'd always, you know, I'd vote, for, uh, sorry, root for the Blackhawks with Taves. Like, I always was kind of maintain your Canadian yeah. status. Yeah. I root for whoever had consumed the most maple syrup per capita. No, that it, team. like, I hate when they're like, oh, you got to care for a Canadian team because there's, you know, they're from Canada. Yeah. It's like, no. I actually think that's a straw man. DA is the only person I've ever heard no. say that I think that was serious. I don't think anyone believes you should actually root for another Canadian team. I think there are, I think it's a certain faction of fans. Of, like my, like my mom. Close attention. Like my mom. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm just happy to yeah, see yeah, someone like, get Yeah, it. Like, I, I can guarantee she was cheering for the Habs when they went to the final. <laughs> oh, gross. You know, it's like that kind of level of fandom. Yeah. Do, you, do you believe that we're at the point now, though, that let's say Winnipeg goes on a run here and gets to a final, that the, the rest of the country would rally around that? Who, Winnipeg? No. Yeah, so we, say Winnipeg. No chance. No chance. Well, I think Winnipeg Jets fans are very mad at me, and I would just like to say that I think they're fine. They're okay. Yeah, what like, does that mean? Well, like everyone, they think I'm hard on them and say they're terrible and whatever because I think that they're fine. They're going to make the playoffs and then lose. Let's look at it this way. Can you guys picture? Are, are they in jeopardy of missing the playoffs? No. The Jets? I don't know. No, they're solidly in the playoff picture. Where? 70? Second in the Central, I think. Yeah. I mean, we watched them lose to the Islanders, and they're on a bit of a tailspin here. Are four, they not? Four and six in their last ten. They have 71 points. Uh, Minnesota in the wild card is 67. Hmm. 
And, you know, and Calgary's there at 65. At the I mean, no, we're talking not, about six they're, points. They're, they're not in and. We're Jets talking, are making the playoffs. Between in and out is... I think they're making but, the playoffs. But, but it's not... It's not a given. No. It's not a slam dunk. It is not. Between their spot and a team that's out is what, five points? Yes. Six points? Yeah. Let, let me ask. They're four points ahead of the Wild okay, right now. Okay, so. Wild card. I mean, there's, yeah. there's some hockey to be played. And if we look at the Western Conference guys, I mean, okay, all season long, we're like Boston, Boston, Boston. And then Tampa looks really good. We can, and Toronto's looking really good. But. Like, who's jumping out of you in the Western Conference right now as, wow, like, they're no deep? No I am waiting on the Zero. Oilers. I'm waiting nobody. on the Oilers. I know. There's yeah, really the, nobody. Vegas had been first in that division. Not great. The best, they're the best team in the West oh. with 73 points. There's one, two, three, four, five, six teams in the Eastern <laughs> Conference is more than Dallas that. Dallas lets Chicago come in last night and pick Take their, their lunch money. Their pocket. Two, they've got two wins in the last 10. They're in first. All right. Before before we before we go to break, let me just put this to you, okay? Picture the Leafs go on a deep run this year. Yeah. Is the rest of the country be like, let's rally around the Leafs? <laughs> but there we, is zero percent chance of that happening. No, but what we do know, whether they're rallying or not, they're watching. They will watch. Oh, they're watching. The numbers would be off the charts. Hate watch. Every time love we, watch. We're like game. Four, five, six would be like five, six million people, which is a huge number. Like oh, yeah. Hockey Night in Canada, I think averages maybe a million, 1.2 on average every Saturday night. Yeah. Like that's four or five times in a first round for the Leafs. Like nobody moves the needle like that. And that's why probably they get the attention that they get. They might even keep us on the air if they went on, on a but run. That's, that's, <laughs> I don't know if it's about cheering or not cheering, but Sammy, they'll be watching. Oh, yeah. And please, God. Let it happen. <laughs> Please win. Please win. Anyways. All right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. Mike Rupp, NHL Network analyst. Uh, he's always great uh, when we welcome him on board here. He's coming up after the break. Wherever you are watching or listening, we are also glad you're on board. Give us a rating and review. Hit the like button, all that good stuff. We'll take a quick break, and we're back with the Rupper. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Let's get right into it. Mike Rupp, NHL Network Analyst, former NHLer, Stanley Cup champion, does it all. Thanks for coming back on our show there, Rupper. What's up, fellas? Glad to be back. Thanks for having well, me back. A few things have changed. The Leafs with a very big trade, and all of a sudden there's a jolt in this city that uh, has people believing that uh, they just got a lot closer to Tampa and Boston. And uh, we are just wondering earlier on in the show, is it enough, Rupper? And uh, your thoughts, first of all, of the trade and what it does, and, uh, and then we'll get into what's left yeah, I, I love the trade. I, mean, I think that that was a very astute trade by uh, Kyle Dubas, and I think you get flexibility in your roster because of it. Um, Ryan O'Reilly's he's obviously a special player, and we've seen him come on board here and fit in nicely with with uh, Tavares and Marner, and um, that game the other night was incredible. I mean, even his empty net goal was pretty incredible, to be honest with you. Like, he... Uh, uh, he, he's provided offense, but I think the bigger thing with Ryan O'Reilly is that 
he's one of those players. I think we're getting few and few of them in the league where they can influence games in other ways. It doesn't have to be the points. I mean, it's great if it is, but he's the guy that I'm assuming at some point we're going to see him playing third line center. Um, to see how that is, see how that works. They're going to need to use him in different roles, and he can contribute. I mean, he doesn't have to make the score sheet to be a difference maker in, in, in the game. So, um, Nolachari, I think some of the same things, obviously on a little bit of a different level. He he has experience. He's kind of a specialty player as far as the bottom six. Those are what the Leafs needed. They they went out and they got it. So, is it enough? I mean, that line is pretty darn scary right now. Um You'd like to add some depth pieces if you're able to as far as, I don't know, maybe on the back end, maybe another depth forward. Uh, but it, it, then again, if you're talking about starting the playoffs right now with this group, I mean, this team's got a great chance. So, Rupert, they've got a lot of talent and a lot of options, right? Like when you sit there and just look at the, the names, you're like, oh, you can mix this up in a bunch of different ways. How much do you think, if at all, ego plays into their decision-making? Like, would Tavares have hurt feelings about the wing, or would it bother Ryan O'Reilly to play third-line center? Or how much accounting for those sort of things on a team do you have to do when building an optimal lineup? I think that's huge with any team that you look into that. I, I, I would have to assume it. From what I've heard over the years, playing against a guy like John Tavares, he's not an ego-driven guy. Like uh, He's going to do whatever is needed. And that's what I just said about Ryan O'Reilly, too. So, you know, if O'Reilly goes in there, he's got to play wing. If he has to play right wing, left wing, whatever the position is, I mean, he, he's down. And so is, is, is Tavares, I think. So I, I don't feel like that's an issue. I, this is one thing with this team that I think has been um, pretty pretty incredible is that the, the big guys, the star players, um, even to look at the last couple of years, Austin Matthews, five-on-five game, competing for pucks, stripping the guys of pucks, being more difficult to play against, uh, on the other side of the puck, Mitch Marner, he's you know great in those kind of positions too, and, and blocking shots and put himself on the line. I mean, that's one thing that this group has done a really good job of is their stars don't seem like they're they just they want to do whatever they need to do, right? And I don't think every team's built like that. I've I've been on teams not just even the desire and the the want to do something different or the willingness to do something different, the ability to do it. Uh, that, that's a, it's a unique kind of blend. You got to look at all those things, and I, I think that Kyle Dubas did that. We're talking to Mike Rupp, NHL Network analyst and Stanley Cup champion, and you go back to your Stanley Cup championship or or others that we've seen. It was always somebody on the blue line, a big, strong kind of shutdown guy. The Leafs lost Jake Muzzin mid October. There doesn't appear to be that type of guy on that blue line. How important is it that they find someone in the next week? Or is this group good enough to do it collectively? Um, it, it's it's going to have to look a little you know, untraditional, I think, if you're going to do it with the group it is now. But, I mean, you collectively can do it. I think it's just important to come playoff time. We, we used to always joke around about it in different levels. I'm sure you did too, Kipper, where, like, there'd be playoff heroes and it used to be back in the day where I felt like guys during the regular season, uh, maybe let's just say for an example, a guy never dropped the gloves in the regular season. And all of a sudden the postseason, he's running his mouth, he's yapping, he's in your face. And it's like, the, you know, you can turn into a playoff hero. Right. And uh, uh, not, not to that degree, but the degree where we see, and we have seen defensemen who are average defensemen, 
that in the playoffs, all of a sudden look incredible, it's hard to get to know the ice. Um, you know, I know Jacob Truba's taken some some beatings as far as uh, by different fan bases uh, the last couple seasons saying he's overpaid, he's this, he's that. I'll tell you what, you watched the Rangers in the playoffs last year. That guy was not giving up the middle of the ice. And he was an absolute force. He was worth every bit of whatever the $9 million or $8 million, whatever it is he makes. Um, so, you know, it's about just having that willingness to get in guys' way in the middle of the ice and, and secure that, make teams play on the perimeter. And um, I think anybody can, can do that. It certainly helps when you're a bigger body. But um, I've also seen players that are really tough to play against and um, that are smaller size. They're just – you just got to – play a little differently come playoff time well one guy who's played a lot during the playoffs is Patrick Kane you mentioned the New York Rangers a second ago Larry Brooks had an article pairing them up again that that dream is not dead is, is he the right answer for them does he help them a whole bunch what do you think about the potential for uh, for him to go to the Rangers I mean clearly he, he helps every team and the way he's playing right now I mean Patty Kane seems to be uh, seems to be a little PO'd about different things right now mm-hmm. showing everybody that he can play right now no matter what situation his hips in no matter where or whatever you think how his season is gone i mean he's been an absolute force lately and uh the way yeah i mean he'd help every team the rangers though the rangers are, are pretty well set i i love the moves they made i'm a, actually a big fan of the tyler tyler mott move that they made uh, their fourth line has been kind of non-existent as far as contributing on a nightly basis in, in some facet. So now you've got uh, that fourth line that's shaken out a little bit more. But I think if you're going to look, and, and one player that's been very versatile all season long, Jimmy Vesey's been, he's been really good. He's been really good in playing multiple different roles for this team. But, I mean, if you can swing a Patty Kane and remove kind of Vesey from the top six and put Patty Kane up there, line be Barkley Goodrow centering which has slotted him appropriately that's he was in the top six before they went and got Tarasenko which this is a much more comfortable spot I think for Goodrow and then you've got Tyler Mott and Jimmy Vesey for a fourth line all of a sudden I mean you got a loaded four lines so um yeah it, it would uh it would certainly help just like it would every other team uh but I, I even right now standing pat I think the Rangers got uh, a good chance in the east hey Rupper is is uh Pat Kane's play the last couple of weeks uh enough for you to convince be convinced that he he is going somewhere he wants to play he doesn't care where i mean is is that what we're seeing out of him or is there a part of you that still says i don't know maybe he could shut it down like his buddy taves just did um no i mean i think that he i guess what the, it depends what that asking price is you know what I mean? What are you? What is the asking price? Because that's been, I think, a lot of teams have been a little hesitant, not knowing if Pat Kane was going to be able to go through the gauntlet of the playoffs. Like, you know, he's playing great right now. It doesn't necessarily answer that question. It's more what the asking price is. Um, you know, I wonder. I wonder with his kind of comments after the Tarasenko trade. I wonder if he went to the Hawks and said, "I'll go to the. I'll go to New York." and the asking price was too high with some of those question marks, and that didn't get done. And it's just for me, you know there's a ton of interest, 
but I feel like, you know, Dallas has been rumored a number of times, but I feel like if that was a destination for Patrick Kane, I feel like that would have been done already, right? Like, I wonder if he's, if it was, the, if he wanted to go to the Rangers and, you know, maybe he's, listen, no insider information. I'm just trying to read between the lines. It's like maybe, maybe he's sitting there and trying to answer those questions right now. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. And then I, I don't know from the Hawks standpoint where this comes into play, but if you're Patty Kane, you're holding all the cards, obviously. But how about if you just went and said, this is the team I want to go to, make it happen, or I'm not going anywhere and you're not going to get anything for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's interesting how this is playing out. I think there's a lot of things that are happening behind closed doors that we're not all privy to, and uh, maybe someday we will be. You know, before I let you back in, JB, just, just that thought that you're, you know, th- that those words kind of resonated with me that, yeah, you may not get anything at all. Are the Blackhawks, and maybe to a lesser extent, Kyle Davison going to take some heat here? That that this organization has been circling the drain the past, what, four or five years? Like, everybody saw this coming, and yet you left your two prized possessions out there in a position where you could get squat for them. Yeah, and I, and I, yeah, I think the, the unfortunate situation with Jonathan Taves hasn't helped this for Patrick Kane, and the unfortunate situation with how management handled Alex to bring it doesn't help this situation. They didn't get a, they didn't get the return they should get for a, whatever, a 23, 24 year old, uh, two time 40 goal scorer when that trade went to Ottawa. They didn't, they, it didn't seem like the return was a extreme priority for them at that time. And now all of a sudden, if you're Patrick Kane and you wanted to go somewhere, now they're asking the world, which again, this is just me filling in the blanks. I might be dead wrong here. But it just, it just, if I'm Patrick Kane, I'm like, you know, and then publicly, the part that gets me publicly is how it's, well, this is all in Pat's control. What he wants to do, we'll facilitate what he wants to do. This, it's frustrating to me because I feel like, I'm not that they're trying to villainize Kane and Taze through this, mm-hmm. but they're not taking any responsibility of it. And that's not a cool spot to put these guys. These guys are going to have statues. These guys are going to have their, their jerseys up in the rafters and uh, in Chicago. And uh, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if we'll ever know what happened here, but I feel like it's a mismanaged situation. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Hey, we've been talking about the East race a little bit. I know you, you spend a lot of time watching the, the Eastern Conference. What are your thoughts on right now Florida, Pittsburgh, and Washington? All, you know, two of those teams probably miss playoffs with some, you know, some real superstars in the mix. What, uh, what are your thoughts on those, those three teams? Um, Washington, I'm really concerned about. Um, obviously, for the circumstances, not having OB that, I mean, um, you know, just from the hockey standpoint, yeah, they, it's one of the best goal scorers in the world uh, right now, and, and they were without him. So they, they've been in a little bit of a funk. So having him back, we'll see if that can give them a jolt. Uh, they, they're, they look, their decors misses John Carlson immensely. I, I don't I don't see the caps. If, if there's one of those three teams that I feel – most secure to say they're not going to get in. It's probably them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting to see how Brian McClellan's going to handle this. Like, how do we? Because you remember, this is he came out and said, as long as we've got Obi and he's chasing down Wayne's record, like we're going to do everything we can. I don't know. If, I wonder if this is a time where you maybe they turn into sellers in the next few days here, and then they try to recoup and reevaluate and go into next season and try to change things up. Um, the other two teams, uh, I've been impressed with Florida 
for the most part after the All-Star break. I think Matthew Kachuk kind of set that tone in game one after the All-Star break. Uh, they're, they're interesting. Bob's playing really good, and that we've been waiting on that for a little while now. Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's in trouble. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh it's, it's not the big guys. The big guys are doing it. The yeah. big guys are playing well. The big guys are getting it done. And I, I don't know, I, I, it, it irks me because – I was a career bottom six guy, fourth line guy, and I take pride in like the little things of the game and what your role is. I'm not sure the the bottom six in Pittsburgh know what their role is, and um, they're it's they, they they're not really it, the big guys aren't getting any help, and that doesn't mean scoring goals even. That means like hey, uh, let's go out and get on the forecheck. Let's forecheck hard. Let's finish our hits. Let's block shots. Like there, that, that to me right now is in complete disarray. And Ron Hextall has got a lot of question marks and everyone's waiting. Like he's got to shake this group up, but they're very limited in what they can do. They don't really have expiring contracts. They don't really have, uh, they don't want to sell off their future. So, I mean, this is a team that's pot committed right now to, to, to win now, but they don't really have many assets to, to make a move. So it'll be very interesting to see how they handle the deadline. Next few games could tell a lot with the Washington Capitals. Uh, would you go after a guy like Orlov if you're, say, Kyle Dubas? I'd love to meet you, Orlov. Uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I think that that guy, I mean, he would be, he's, he's a guy that could do a little bit of everything, and he's got that got that squirreliness where every once in a while they'll just come across and throw a hip check in the other he'll keep you honest uh, we love squirrely up here i love squirrely too i love to meet your love that that actually would be incredible if he was able to get to to Toronto. well that's the uh the fantasy here um you know the the other ones that we kind of kick around are like matthias eckholm uh, you know, Carson Susie, just searching for someone. How integral do you think it is? The Leafs are going to try right now with a decor that doesn't have that physical edge. Last year they had Muzzin and Labushkin. It's kind of a debate around Toronto because their goals against is pretty good. But is it that different in playoffs, or could they still have success without it? I think they could still have success. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a lot of that's due to them playing a pretty dominant style where they have the puck a lot, you know, so it kind of takes away from defending, but you know, heaven forbid they get into a a game or a period or series where they've got to find ways to get the puck back and make parts of the ice more difficult. That's where I think it'll be challenging. So it it would never, never hurts to have a guy that um, just, you know, it's, it's almost equivalent to, uh, I always thought on the four check, you from game one of a series, you finish every hit on their defensive because by game four, not necessarily, yes, they could be tired and wear them down, but if they know they're rushing plays, now they're not putting the puck on the tape of their winger, right? And now you, you're forced to turn over. Same thing with the middle of the ice. If you just keep getting in the way, you don't have to take anybody's head off. Just get in their way in the middle of the ice. Get in the way in the middle of the ice. Next thing you know, maybe guys aren't cutting in the middle of the ice. They're staying on the outside. And that's why I think you almost get like a deterrent as far as uh, a physical player that will protect that on the blue line. All right, Rupper, we really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for doing this. Anytime, fellas. Take Th- care. Thanks so much. Mike Rupp, NHL Network. We'll get him back on when everything's locked. Yeah. That, hey, it might be interesting. I, I think there's a lot of – I think the market's uh, a little inflated right now. Prices need to come down. They usually do. 
So hard, though, when you've, like, mentally committed, okay, we need a D-man. Let's say that Dubas right now is like, we're going to get a D-man. Yes. We're going we're gonna to pay this price. And then you head towards deadline week, and you got your eye on Orlov and uh, Ekholm and whoever else. You're not guaranteed that they're going to be there. Someone else bids before you get the chance to do it. Like, how early do you want to pull right, the how trigger? Early, right, because everyone's like, yeah, prices may come down closer to the deadline, but there may not be the, yeah. the items you want. At I got to think that had a lot to do with getting O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly. I agree. You know, you 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 would rather overpay for a thing you need than get a good deal on something you don't need. Lose, lose out. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to your shopping, too. All people. right, we 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 finished touching on the blue line well, with... You mentioned Lou. The contract that he signed just had a second time it got traded with assets to get rid of it. So That Zaitsev deal. Oof. Yeah. That one won't go in his Hall of Fame plaque, that contract. They paid a ton to get rid of it. There's only one more year in Zaitsev. What was it? This year, 4.5. This year, this year and next at 4.5. Yeah. They paid a second for it. But they paid a... A second to get rid of it. I thought something else. I thought it was two picks. Was, was it, it a picks? fourth? I think it was, it was a, a second and a fourth, I think. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. To get rid of it. To get one year of, of Now there's a, there's, a lo- there's a buzz out there that, okay, why, right. why did they need to do this now? And what's coming? Well, that's that was what the, the fans thing. think is like, now are they going to spend it on Jacob Jikrin? Someone mentioned, <laughs> would they go after Pareko in St. Louis? Mm-hmm. But I don't I think he's in year one. Of eight, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he might be in year zero. Like it's a he's the contract's till 2030. So wherever it's, it is, and six and a half. Million. I think it might be even a a no trade, probably. Yeah, there would maybe, be a major. Maybe this is why it's in. It's open right zero. now. You think it's open no, right now? I think maybe it, the contract starts and kicks in on July 1st, and that's why his name is coming up. Something like that. I can look this up. Yeah, look it up so um, we can be accurate. But yes. And he's a, where's he from? He's from Alberta, is he not? He was born in St. Albert, Alberta. Ooh, he, Edmonton might. Uh, he is in the first year of a one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. seven, eight year contract at 6.5 per. Signed on September 1st, Which does have no trade protection starting. Oh, the no trade clause starts on July 1st, 2028. There you go. That's a Armstrong thing. He doesn't do many no, no trade deals. Yeah, I don't think he does signing bonuses either. And I think that had a big thing to do with uh, uh, Petrangelo going away. Mm-hmm. That he wanted those guys like upfront up money. Yeah, I yeah, can't say I blame him. Yeah, but, he doesn't like money. But you were saying, you know, like does are the Sens able to add a well, big name? Listen, they're 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 trying to sell right a team at a hard number when you bring in. $30, $40 million contracts, it changes the, the assets price. and liabilities. Yes. It's a thing so you owe. I, I would hope that whoever's trying to buy this team could say, can you just, like, you know, keep it to pencils and, and, and uh, paper clips right now? Buy the stuff you need, not the stuff you want until we get the team. Yeah, and, you know, I, I understand that particularly being maybe Dorian's not the guy for the next regime. But if it's a good contract, that becomes an asset. If it's Chikrin, you feel pretty good about it. They uh, have $4.9 million in cap space now. Who's that, Ottawa? Yep. Can I also just say that anyone who's buying a franchise should be buying it with the assumption they're going to be spending to the cap. $82.5 million. You can't compete in the NHL with such a low cap that's been flat for years. 
assume you're spending the full salary cap. Listen, it's uh, these are now billion dollar assets. Moving forward, you the better number, be spending the the, the the numbers a buh. Yeah. So a buh. you need yeah. many buh. Yeah. To play, and you should not be scared of an eighty million dollar, ninety million dollar, a hundred million dollars in cap. what four years, five years. 110, no. 120, like, who, what do you care? No, I agree. And that's why, you know, adding a contract to me is not like, oh, it's this liability. It's like, it's all 82 and a half million. Any way you look at it. I, I like what Chicago is doing, though, buying picks. Like, sure. that's kind of what the Leafs, when the Leafs were doing that yeah. in their rebuild. They now, for the 2023 draft, before they've traded Patrick Kane, they have two first rounders, three second rounders, three, uh, two third rounders. Well, hey, so that's a lot of draft capital to take some shots. How about the St. Louis Blues? Three first-round picks this year and two third-round picks. Next year, they got a first, two seconds, two fourths. Like, they have picks, mm-hmm. brother. All right. We're going to get to Billy Guerin after the break. Yes. General manager it. of the Minnesota Wild. He'll join us, and, and we'll tee up uh, the Minnesota Wild and their push to make the playoffs and A lot of people thought they'd be on the outside looking in by now, but uh, he's got them right there in the race. Billy Guerin, after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. The best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's just jump right into it. Uh, Billy Guerin, former NHLer. Stanley Cup champion, general manager of the Minnesota Wild, join us now. Hey, uh, hey, where are you finding time right now to talk to us? <laughs> I, hey, you know, I just like you guys. <laughs> That's it. Always well, have. You, you, you're excited because no. you, you got uh, well, a fourth-round pick from... Kip right, in, Kip right in, always like you, actually. <laughs> I, we, had a, we had a few run-ins. You really pissed me not off in Jersey, if you want to talk. Not when you were... Not when you were taking runs at me. I didn't like it. <laughs> I was I just a it. little guy, too. You were the big stud. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh, we really appreciate uh, your yeah. time, man, because we know it is really busy. And, you know, any anytime you're, you're on the phone, if it ends up being a blockbuster or um, a fourth-round pick, which you guys ended up doing, picking up a little bit of Ryan o- O'Reilly's contract, uh, a fourth-rounder, and I think in year 2025 – Billy, have you got in mind who that is right now? Are you excited about the pick? <laughs> I have no clue who that's going to be. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, hey, listen, we, we just try to, you know, just like everybody else in the league, you, you, you try to have good asset management. And you know what? Sometimes, um, you know, you, you have to pay a little or, or, you know, go a roundabout way of, you know, gaining assets. And, and, and that was, you know, one, one way to do it. And, you know, we've seen teams do it in the past. And, you know, we feel like we just, we just had enough cap space where we could do something like that. And, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't uh, prevent us from doing anything else. And, you know, we have great ownership. And our, our owner, Craig Leopold, is willing to, you know, let us uh, spend some of, some of his money to, to, to do that. Uh, no, no question that the challenges are still there in a flat cap. Are we going to see a lot more of that in the next week? I think you could. Um, you know, there are quite a few teams out there with, you know, with space. And, uh, you know, I think it all, you know, in the end, it all comes down to, uh, you know, I guess the willingness of, of ownership to do that. And, you know, like I said, our, our owner has been extremely generous and, um, 
you know, we're, we're, we're fortunate to be able to do that, but uh, I, I think it's a, a smart play by some teams and, um, you know, draft picks are very valuable these days and, and it's the way a lot of teams are, are, are building their future. So I, I do, I think you could see it even more. I, I don't, um, I want to say through my mathematics, I, and I'm not sure if you want to say or not, but it, it maybe a hundred thousand dollars of real cash for a fourth rounder. Is that, am I in the ballpark? That was about 70, 70. Okay. I'm, I'm in the yeah. ballpark then. Not bad. <laughs> not, yeah, bad. You are. You are. not bad. Not bad. Not um, bad. You know, we've been talking a little bit about the, the central division today and the Western conference and looking at it, like you guys have won three games in a row here. The teams you're chasing in the central Dallas and Winnipeg are kind of, you know, not, not, faring wonderfully these days how much does your current position inspire you going into the next week or so to say okay we've got a chance to you know not just make playoffs there's there's a chance of the division still yeah i mean you know what we we just have to keep focusing on you know the kind of a day-by-day mentality yeah. i mean you know we all see the, the the standings um it's such a strong division um you know anything can happen you know two weeks ago you know we were you know, we were not doing well, uh, you know, and now we've won three in a row. Um, you know, you've, you've, you know, you just look at other teams and it's just so up and down that you have to, no matter what happens uh, in a game, you have to brush it off and, and move on to the next one. It's almost like a, a really long, uh, you know, playoff series. You just, you just play, take the, take the result and move mm-hmm. on, whether it's a win or a loss, because you can't, uh, you can't sit there and worry about it. Do you anticipate in the next week of being active or doing something significant? Uh, you know what? Active, yes. Significant. Uh, I mean, I think anytime you you make a trade, it's it's significant just because you're trying to improve your team one way or another. Um, you know how active will be. I, I I couldn't really tell you. I think it depends on the market and you know the what teams are asking for for certain players and. You know, you don't you don't want to just do things to do things to say you you know you're active on on deadline day. You want to make sure that you're you're really helping your team, and you know that that's uh, that's kind of the way that that we've approached things. I was trying to be polite because you did beat me up on occasion, but uh, like Matt Dum- <laughs> Matt Dumba significant <laughs> Matt Dumba significant. Uh, like, are are you willing to hold on to him and and let this thing play through, knowing that uh, there's there's a expiring contract? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Matt's a big part of the, this team and this organization. He has been for a number of years, and um, you know, and he's he's honestly lately he's been playing some of his best hockey. Um, so, I mean, my hey, look, my job as a general manager is not to make our team weaker; it's to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always just been completely honest with, with, you know, any media I talk to, any fans that I talk to, you know, if I have an opportunity to make our team better, I will. Um, but I, I, the last thing I want to do, uh, especially right now, is make our team worse. So what is that process like for you right now? Obviously, it's I think we're eight days away from the deadline here. Is it a daily thing where you're in conversation with other GMs and saying, okay, if this is available on this date, um, what's your, your workload like on the telephone these days? Uh, it's been pretty busy lately, but, you know, I think a lot of the time it, it really leads up to the day. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a lot of information gathering. Um, you know, I, I don't mind getting deals done earlier, but, you know, if you're if you're acquiring, you kind of have to just 
yeah, you got to deal with the team who, who has a player. And, um, you know, I, I like I said, it, it could, it could, I could say, you know, it's pretty slow and we hang up the phone and it gets really busy. So you got to take everything I say with a grain of salt because if something, <laughs> you know, comes over the line, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. In terms of Marc-Andre Fleury right now, uh, you know, where do you see his game as it shapes up to the, the critical uh, games down the, down the line here? You know, I think Flowers fine. I mean, this is like honestly, he had a he had an off night against Colorado last week, and um, but you know what? I, I mean, I know this guy really well. I think the whole hockey world does, and you know, I, one, one or two games off, you, you know, he's going to be back. You know, and he, he's going to get one of our our two games this, this week uh, on the road, and um, you know, I think him and him and uh, Philip Gustafson is, have, have played some really good hockey for us lately. They've um, you know, like I said, outside of that that Colorado game from Flower, he's been he's been real solid for us. Yeah, you know what? The, we were talking before you're on too about um, you know some of the moves that have happened in the division there for you guys. One of them being Ryan O'Reilly. The St. Louis Blues have kind of taken a little bit of a step back. You guys are playing the Maple Leafs uh, coming up here in a couple of days. What are your thoughts on what a guy like that does at this point of his career coming to an organization like the Maple Leafs? Well, I think he, I mean, uh, from the outside looking in, it, he wants to win. Right. And, you know, if you're, listen, he's had great success in, in St. Louis, um, you know, and I'm sure everything there was, was great, but there's, whenever you have an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to win and be on a really good team, championship caliber team, you know, in my mind, you do it. And you know what? I, I, I think Ryan O'Reilly's a, a winner at heart. And I think it's, I think, Kyle made a great move and, you know, brought, brought a guy who's, I mean, not just a Stanley cup winner, but a Conn Smythe winner too. Like uh, this guy's a real deal. So I, I thought it was a, a really strong move by Kyle. You know, we just spoke uh, a little while ago about uh, a flat cap and, you know, the pressure that it puts on you and, and other general managers. There is some talk, uh, Billy, about uh, maybe the, the players association and uh, Gary Bettman and the league getting together and maybe, knocking it up three or four million dollars opposed to the the one uh expected next year how important is that for you what would that mean to to your situation in the minnesota wild if it was able to go up uh how big of a difference would that be huge (laughs) huge i mean it's big for everybody but you know the situation that we're in with kind of these empty cap hits with the buyouts that we made or it's it would be really big but you know, we're prepared for anything. Um, either way it goes, it, we'll we'll be okay. And uh, you know, we just don't don't use it as an excuse. We just just keep moving on. Well, uh, one more for me before we let you go, Bill. I just want to get your thoughts on uh, on your team right now. What can the the Leafs expect from the Wild? The type of game you guys are playing uh, these days. You've won a few in a row. Uh, that's a good start. Yeah, yeah, it's a good start. You know what? I think we've we've been better structurally lately. I think when, um, you know, when, when we weren't doing as well, we were turning pucks over, uh, you know, we were a little bit out of position and, and just not really as sharp as we needed to be. So, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to play well. And, hey, look, we, we know we're coming into coming into the Lions then, and, and Toronto's playing really well. They, they're flying high because of the big trade. And, um, you know, we'll, it could be a good game. 
Uh, last one for me is is Ryan Reeves. Uh, you know, you, when you picked him up, there's a lot of things going on with him in, in New York and sometimes not playing probably as much as he would have liked. But what's he meant to you, the wild on and off the ice? Oh, you know what? He's been fantastic. Ever since he, he walked, you know, in the door, he's been just such a positive influence on everybody. You know, on the ice, he just, you know, we all know what he provides. And, um, you know, Revo's played real well, too. And he's playing with two young guys that, that uh, you know, they've got some good chemistry together. And, and you know, in the dressing room, uh, you know, in the community and stuff like that, he's just, he's all positive. He's all energy. And uh, he, he's he's been, uh, had a big impact on our team. We're looking forward to tomorrow night, uh, Billy. Good luck the rest of the way, man. Always welcomed on our show. Thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. All thanks right. for your time. Billy Garrett, general manager of the Minnesota Wild. You know, he made a really hard decision there when he had to buy out uh, Zach Parise mm-hmm. and, and Ryan Suter. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are saying it's not a great move and they still have something to offer. And, you know, whatever, wherever you sat on that, Man, you got to respect the guy that just says, I believe this is a, like he said, this is going to help us. Yeah. And, you know, he does it. You know, we had someone on, uh, oh, it was Kevin Adams a couple days ago talking about how they really didn't want to add someone who would block the development of their young guys like Dylan Cousins. And I think that's an element of why Garen would do what he did with the Wild is, New locker room, new culture, new leadership. Yes. You give something else a chance to take root. You give opportunities to other people. Maybe your team's not better because of it now, but you hope yeah. that it's better when you need it to be down the road. I think you nailed it Yeah, right there for sure, that they had such a strong uh, stranglehold of, of the room or sometimes the decisions maybe uh, somewhere, somehow, in terms of maybe even on or off the ice, play, dictate, uh Sometimes those loud voices, mm-hmm. you know, could sometimes paralyze a, a dressing room. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that is particularly the case with Parise and, and Suter there. Yeah. But, you know, there were rumblings for sure. Yeah, and, and even with that, just like someone who could be a potential leader might just be inclined to defer to the guys who've been here and not want to make any decisions or anything. So I, I, I'm okay with the idea of trying to get, just trying to be different than you've been. Well, you mentioned Matt Dumba there. You asked him pretty directly. It's a name that I had completely stopped thinking about for the Leafs. I guess they probably wouldn't trade him with the position they're in, like he mentioned, but that's a tantalizing one. He shoots right, doesn't he? You know, oh, right? yeah. He's a right D. Yeah. I've been, I've been liking the wild, though, lately. Like, we talked about how soft that division is. You know, depends what when you're in it. You call it a hard division. Uh, you know, but but looking at it like Winnipeg, Dallas, those teams are scuffling. Colorado's still probably going to end up on top, but I like the Wild to end up in one of those one, two, three do, spots. Eh? I do. And yeah. I think this is a good one for the Leafs because this is a much different type of game than they've been playing. Like you think of the mm-hmm. Wild as a much heavier group than you would yeah, with the I Sabres. I thought the Leafs really did well there their last, their last game in Minnesota. The Wild also they, played tonight. The Leafs tonight. won, if I'm not mistaken, right? I think the Leafs beat the, the Wild. I think so, too. I can't remember. But the, the Wild play tonight. Oh, so do they're, they? they're tonight in Columbus, then traveling here on a back-to-back. So, you know, not that well, the Wild aren't good, but I, I don't think you'll see the best version of the Wild, which is good. 
Sounds like Samsonov will probably get the work on the weekend. I don't think Matt Murray. I, did anybody ask the Leafs today about Matt Murray? I thought we could maybe depend on our intrepid reporter, uh, Real Kipper and Borden's own Luke Fox. Yeah, he was sleeping today. He didn't. He didn't ask about Matt Murray. <laughs> you gonna spin that one right on? Oh, him, right? I love Luke. Yeah. He's my boy. Yeah, I. That's the first question I would ask. Don't. There, there's no way that you you don't even mention him or the Leafs. Don't mention him. Sheldon Buddy, doesn't mention him. They just him. got Ryan show- O'Reilly. They're, they're he- playing five forwards <laughs> on a five and three power play. There's other questions. Highly unlikely he shows up on the weekend. I would think that now he's in a position to next Wednesday Edmonton. against Edmonton. You want to put him against Connor McDavid? I, I want him. To, I, I want him. I want him to play hockey. Yeah. I don't care who it's against. I want him to play hockey and show that he can still do the hockey. That's what I would like. I'm not sure that playing hockey will. Guarantee that he shows you the things you want to see. Do we have a... That's <laughs> oh, a little dark. Do we have an update on Sandine from Sheldon? We do have that. Would you like no, to hear it? Again? Yes. Okay, let's play it. In lieu of... Yeah, no practice was Murray. important for him uh, to get through. Um, and then we'll see how he is through the rest of the inning. At this point, it's probably looking more like uh, another day or two could really benefit him. I think he's not far away. And they were thinking it was really close uh, today, but we may take a little more of a cautious approach with him, but uh, we'll see because at the point now where he's, he's improving dramatically every day and strength is not quite where they need it to be, but if if that improves significantly and, and takes a big turn tomorrow, I feel like he could be a possibility, but all that's to say that he's very close one way or the other. Do we know did we remember seeing him get hurt? No is my answer to that question. I remember seeing him doubled over, kind of holding. But I don't know what happened. Maybe it was he got hit. Probably was that he got hit. Well, because he's not, the, you know, we've had the conversation before about him. Which well, that, makes that, you, again, if you're Kyle and Brendan, I need, I need, oh, yeah, you need I, someone else. I need help. So I, I wrote it the, a week ago, and I'm like, they're getting someone else. Whether, and I'm not saying it's going to be a great player. But they're getting someone else. Like, Timmons is not the six going into playoffs or even the seven. The only thing I can say is if if they even get a player, and I I wrote Luke Shen today in my article, that it just won't or could not be enough. I won't say won't because there's always the hope and a prayer out there. But it will be a shame if this team – has left the blue line in a position where there's just nobody, and I'm, and even Sandine. Sandine's got the capabilities of playing like 20 minutes a night, mm-hmm. but is he going to do it consistently, or is he even going to be there? Like Sandine, to me, is starting to turn into a Matt Murray where it's like you can't count on him. Well, the concern, I forget if we did this on the show or off, but the Travis Dermott thing is the concern. You know, you have a third pair sheltered guy who's kind of, you know, you're not, you're waiting for him to take that step and be that guy. And it just doesn't come long enough. And eventually you worry that, boy, it ain't going to come. And injuries are part of Sandine's story at this point. This season, not as much, but. All right. We, uh, oh, sorry. You'd have to think that they're going to get somebody. They're getting somebody. They're getting somebody. For sure. Promise. I do. I'm promising. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the promise. Yeah, I am promising. I mean, I it that. might be. There's just no way that they're going to leave it as is. 
you know, Turd Ferguson or something <laughs> on, the, <laughs> on the fourth pair, but they're getting someone else. On the fourth pair. <laughs> All right. Uh, Pat Kane, three points last night. Max Domi, guys, is playing the best hockey I've ever seen him play in the National Hockey League. So 100% agree. Can I zag on Patrick Kane here? Can I just zag while sure. we're zigging? I think this reflects poorly on him. That he's got seven goals in four games the second it's become important for him to show that he can still play in the league. What have you been doing the rest of the time? The whole year he's just been kicking rocks and who cares? And now all of a sudden, is that like that's not great. Uh, I can't. I Listen, I love this guy. Me too. And he's a... Love watching yeah, him play. Just I'm a big Pat Kane fan, but I can't necessarily uh, argue the optics of that. But I will say that... When you're talking about a Pat Kane and everything that he's been through in the organization yeah. and constantly looking around and I don't even know what kind of year it's been with him and the relationship with uh, Kyle Davidson or the organization, how much are they keeping him in the loop? How, how, how much is he out of the loop? So okay. I, I, there's a lot of factors sure it's here. Been a hard year. And he's Pat Kane, one of the best players in the history of the game. So... I mean, yeah, it doesn't look great optically. But it is crazy and if that he can just be like, well, and not still here. If, if it's crazy for you, imagine thinking about trading for him. Yeah. So, oh, they must love it in it Chicago, is though. Really, no different of a scenario than we saw last season with Claude Giroux, mm-hmm. with one major difference that nobody questioned whether or not. Claude Giroux wanted to get traded or play. Yeah. Like right now, nobody knows. Even how, even as great as he's playing, and if you want to use the body language as the tell, by all means, go ahead. But have we heard from him saying, I want to play and I'm ready to go try to win a Stanley Cup? They must have made some agreement. Did I read somewhere that today... Today or tomorrow is like the agreed upon date for him to go to Kyle Davidson and say, here's the one place I would like to go. There are teams out there that don't know where his head's at. Well, did you see today the uh, Kevin Weeks tweet? No. Kevin Weeks tweeted uh, propaganda from Pat Brisson today saying that he has permission to tweet from Brisson that his uh, client, there's a he's not, not one team interested. He's, he's a unicorn. He's a unicorn. There's not one team interested. There's a whole ton of teams who want him. Yada, yada, yada. Well, yeah, I mean, there could be a ton of teams, and some of them may wait to the summer to sign him. Yeah. No, fair. So he he might not be wrong that He's there wrong. is a ton of yeah. teams. It's just how many realistically could be in a position to – Take his ten point five, and I, I, it's workable. There's yeah. no question. I, I'm not even sure if the the Rangers are tight, guys. Yeah. Even there'd be more teams that could fit in a third team picking up twenty five percent. I'm not even sure if the Rangers are in a position to do that. Like, you look at the way the Leafs have manipulated their salary cap, and you know, sending guys up and down and up and down, and um, uh curing room mm-hmm. all these i don't think the rangers ever had any thought of doing Needing that every all penny. year yeah. and 
it might be the difference between them getting Pat Kane or not. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, right. If you double retain and he's down to 2.6 something and you, you know, there's only a portion of the year left and you had like, you know, you don't have to have a ton of room, but it is interesting that, uh, and will he come to Canada, tight. Edmonton, Toronto? Will he, he's got a young family. He's not chasing cops. You know, we've discussed that too. It's an element of it. The Rangers' top six would be really fun with him in it, though. I can tell you that. Well, he really left it open that he will go to New York. He did. Oh, yeah. You don't say that without having a little bit of a message in it. I mean, I sure hope it happens. It'd be fun to see, right? Good for the league to see him go somewhere. Crying out loud, he'd be there for six weeks in a playoff run. I would... I would want, though, Pat Kane and Max Domi to come as a package right now because... Max Domi, they're really, fire. I texted you guys the other night that he was humming against the Leafs. That's his... Remember that World Junior in Toronto where he just owned it? Yeah. He's kind of moving around like that. Like he made some really nice plays last night. I imagine he's available. I imagine Sam Lafferty's available. He's got 46 points in 47 games this year, Max. On a crummy team. It's hard to get points on a bad team. He has to be leading their team in points. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of three people leading his team in points and PIMS, along with Brady Kachuk and Sidney Crosby. Oh, so he's still mean, too. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you want him on the Leafs or what? When he plays on the Leafs, no, the Leafs didn't want him. Will he wear number 28? I don't think the Leafs have any interest in him. They, They had ample opportunities to get him and. They weren't interested. Do you think okay. they're still interested in Patrick Kane or no? I, <laughs> it's just no way. <laughs> if the Leafs added another big forward, you two would just bury them. Where? Where would he fit? Where We had this conversation a while ago. Left wing, left wing. Well, yeah, and then you can bump Tavares down to the third line, and then you have uh, O'Reilly, <laughs> yeah. Caves. you got an $11 million third <laughs> liner. You're going to anyway. Yeah, that's <laughs> Right? Yeah. Um, Sid versus McDavid tonight? I mean, this McDavid fella, guys, I just feel like it's redundant to talk about him, but did you see the spin he made against the Flyers up by the blue line where he put it through his own feet? And- yeah. <laughs> <He's-> <laughs> Do that again. What, what the hell is that? It's a, it's a thought that not a lot of humans have had. <laughs> no. Let's just say that. <laughs> I just, you know, he's human, and you just think that there's going to be a stretch where you just don't just go notice cold him. Or don't feel you don't great notice him. Or, yeah, just to sleep through a game or two. Yeah, and Austin has shown that he's human in that capacity. Like yes, yes, yeah, right, yeah. He beat out McDavid for the Hart Trophy last year, and he has had not a whole lot of games this year where you go, whoa. So, yeah. It's really, you know, as a guy who said last year that Austin Matthews is better than Connor McDavid and one of my most regretful takes I've ever had, and I've had a lot of bad ones, boys. Um, It does hurt the fandom of Austin Matthews that Connor McDavid is just going to go out there and score 60 this year, the year after Austin Matthews did it. If Austin Matthews got 40 points tonight, he would be behind Matthews by eight points. (laughs) What? Say that again. (laughs) Matthews scored 40 points tonight. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Yes. He would be behind McDavid by 
Uh, actually, by like, I don't know what it is, eight or nine points this year. I, I get it. Uh, again, this week where you watched Austin and just there's nothing that really stood out against Buffalo yeah. on a night where Ryan O'Reilly and Marner and Tavares completely owned it. Yeah. But he's still going to come close to scoring 40 goals. Who, Matthews? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, because he, okay, he catches it and he shoots it. And it's not no. 50. Yeah. But it's still, it's going to end up, he's going to end up with 40. Yeah. I, I don't know what the exact pace is right now. Yeah. Is it 37? Yeah. 38. But 41, 42. Yeah, he's a six foot three, 220 pound center. He's going to score 40 goals. And we're all like, I don't know. But he's okay. I'm not convinced he's going to score 40. No, no. He here? He's got two multi-goal games all year. Okay. He has 26 goals with 24 games left. So he needs 14 goals in 24 games. Good chance. I got I'd say highly likely. Both of you guys just laughed at me on our prediction show at the start of the year when I said he wasn't going to score 50 goals this year. I just got roasted for that. Oh, my God. Can we go to the tape, please? I, I, would I don't recall that roast you for all. that. Even if it's I said he was gonna right, score, I it's said he's a dumb 47, take. 46? I said he's going sc- to score 48 goals this year. Even, all right. Because it's just it's impossible to live up to last year. No, it's not. Yes, it is. McDavid ne- keeps doing it. He's Ovi showing us it. it's possible to keep doing it over Ovi and over. Ovi did it over, over yeah. those years. Did Ovi score two, 60 goals two years in a row? No. Well, no one's done that, but the goal-scoring pace is higher now than it's been in a long time. I mean, I don't know what Ovi's peak years were, but they're good. They're good. They're good. Uh, the year what? after Ovi scored 60, he scored 56. What? What Austin can't do is on some nights sleepwalk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you can't sleep, right? sleepwalk in the playoffs no, at all. No, no, and that's really that's all that we we or the Leaf Nation everybody if cares he, about. Yeah, if he scores no points from well, here to not, the playoffs, it's gonna, no, no, he's not going to do that. But if he did score no points from here to the playoffs and then scored fifteen points in the first round, uh, no one would care. No uh, one would ever speak he of it again. Would be forgiven. But that's for a slump. That's when the pressure starts. Yeah, I Maybe think right now. But I just think that, like, that's why O'Reilly is really important to the Leafs. Because he's just one extra guy that can put the puck in the net and has For done it. sure. And has done it. And it's like, you get down to those games where, like we've talked about and Hitch talked about, canceling out the top two lines, and you need a big goal from someone else outside of the big four, you now have two guys that you traded for that can score that big goal. Right? Yeah. O'Reilly, Chari could chip one in, could picture that. Those are my two picks for outside of the big four to score big four Goal for the least now. O'Reilly and Love Chari. It. Better than Engvall. Oh, which was God. our previous pick. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Ovi's back. Can he save Washington? No. Should he save Washington is the, the better question. Like, are, okay, so they squeak in to get drubbed by Boston. Is that better for them long term for next season? You know what would make them really good is trading Dmitry Orlov to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nothing. Uh, it's an Ovi. It, I think the owner, Ted. Leon's just said it that as long as Ovi's on and he's marching down Gretzky's record, they they want to compete, man. They're not it's not a draft pick and you know, they're not gonna get Connor Bedard. Right. So Yeah. Why are they why would they sell? Why would they sell? Yeah. Five straight losses um, might and they have no defense signed other than I think Carlson next year. I mean, think about that for a second. You wanna compete with Ovi and you wanna Keep one, pushing. One D under contract. Sign some defense. 
I'm really happy you brought up Connor Bedard because I wanted to do a Connor Bedard check-in here. Okay. Uh, it's from Sportsnet Stats, which is an excellent follow on Twitter. Regina's uh, Pats star Connor Bedard has recorded six points tonight in a 6-3 win over the Medicine Hat Tigers. Bedard has as many six-point games this season as zero-point games this season with two. So what you're saying is in- inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly wow. what I'm saying. And in his career in the WHL, he has two six-point games, seven five-point games, 17 four-point games, 38 three-point games, and 35 two-point games. Holy smokes. 17 four-point games. This kid might just make it. I really, really think that he is going to be quite good in the NHL. I'm predicting. What did I see today? It's uh, Pat LaFontaine's birthday today. Happy birthday, Pat. Happy birthday to Pat, yep. And the year Mm. 82-83, how many points did he have? With the Verdun Juniors yes. of the QMJHL yes. in 70 games, he had 104 goals and 130 assists <laughs> for 234 yeah. uh, pims. Eat and your heart out, points. Connor. Well, the QMJHL didn't used to have goalies. That's yeah. a really <laughs> unknown fact. <laughs> Everyone's stat line in is 82, like 82-83 in the Q, well, there's a bit of open ice. <laughs> yeah. There's some room to get around out there. <laughs> and in 15 playoff games, you have 35 points. Kipper scored 60 North Bay at a 600. And <laughs> yeah. I we couldn't had, even think uh, of a city in Quebec. That year, was pathetic. My, <laughs> my, um, my third year, I think we were OHL versus the Quebec League yeah. uh, in a two out of three. And i never seen the queue before, really, yeah. other than that. And I think they had uh, Luke Robitaille and... Sylvain Cote and uh, Jimmy Carson, and it was like, like the flying, like the the V flying alphabet, yeah. all the different letters. <laughs> I don't think they skated; I think they just flew, you know. <laughs> and they're twisting and turning, and I'm like, oh my god, yeah, get me out of here! I have no business being Wild out here. Wild stats Twi- from those years. Well, Look at Luke Robitaille. Just, we years. had Corson. Yeah. Karkner, we had a punching chick people in the mouth. We had like six foot five guys. That yeah. Can't even catch these guys. I'm to just, I'm looking at, crap out of them. I'm looking at the 82 83 QMJHL season now. Yeah. And uh, the Verdun Juniors were in second place to Laval. And on Laval was Mario Lemieux. And he scored 84 goals and 100 assists for 184 points in 66 games. So he did not have nearly as good a year. Imagine those games, Pat LaFontaine versus yeah. Mira Lemieux and Junior. Pretty we, exciting. We should be able to sell. Our sales team at Sportsnet should be able to sell. The Real Kipper and Bourne Show looks at things on Google. Well, I know. I'm, not, I'm on <laughs> Hockey DB no right now, which is my favorite website. <laughs> we always have a portion at the end of the show where we're like, is that right? Let's look that up. Oh, I love looking at Hockey DB. That's one of my favorite activities. Um, it is good. So the New York Islanders, uh, oh, they beat yeah. the Winnipeg Jets last night. No big deal. 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. They're hurt. They're AHL laden, but they, they got Sorokin holding. and Horvat boys. They are like popsicle sticks right now. They are coming apart at the seams. <laughs> no, no, they're <laughs> they're winning. The Elmer's glue is still holding up there. <laughs> Horvat has been the most essential addition to a team. Like without, I don't know where they'd be. He plays, I don't know how many minutes, twenty-two minutes a night. He's on every special teams, every important shift the guys out there yesterday he had a pk shift where he ragged the puck and got a standing O. this guy's been an awesome ad for the islanders 
Do they make it? They make it. Yeah. They, they stay. Yep. They're going to make it. And who's out? Pitt's out. Washington's out. Florida's out. Yeah. I see the neck, the other wild card team. Oh, could it be Detroit, guys? Detroit's got a real good chance here. They're four games in hand on Florida and two points behind them for the last wild card spot. Go Did Wings, go. Stevie Eiserman adding anything right no. now? Just added I don't seven new players in the offseason. The two teams for me that I don't see adding anything really of significance and just want to Why would you not see Detroit adding? Because I have significance. Yeah. Right? I just think that they have a vision of their build. Mm-hmm. And they're not gonna. They're not gonna speed dial it. Okay. And I, I Seattle's the, the other but... one. Seattle's the other one. I don't see them getting all hot and heavy over their season so far and go. Okay, we're maybe one player away from a. Can I just conference final? Can I be the first person to say since that team has joined the league? To hell with Seattle. To hell with them. You don't I, like them? No, I don't. I don't. I didn't like. Wow. I didn't like how the passive, squids. How could you say that? I didn't, wow. I didn't like how passive they were. They're not you at all. No, I didn't like how passive they were with their uh, entry draft. They didn't treat themselves at all. Didn't treat themselves to anything fun no. or anything nice. They're doing defense and goaltending. They're in a weak division. They're okay. They got a bunch of depth guys. Do you that know are who their fine. general manager is? It's Ron Francis. Yeah, I mean he's just this kind of kind of quiet. Yeah. Okay. You know nothing. Too exciting about Ron Francis, and I'd rather he seems like a nice GM guy. Man. I don't know him all that well, but he's not not a real exciting guy. <laughs> well, I'm not real excited by Seattle, <laughs> so that makes sense. They put a uh, Chris Drieger on waivers today. The Squid's dead. Okay, the what did they end up paying him? Like if he's the three years, three, million, three, and a, three years, three and a half million, they paid him. Yeah, three and a half million. Three and a half per year. Yeah, maybe the Leafs could take a chance on Drieger. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. Uh, <laughs> Was that, know, I'd rather they was get that, Carson Susie. Carson Susie's fine. Was that signing after Grubauer or before Grubauer? That's a great question. One know. that I don't know Grubauer if I have time to Grubauer was the at. one they announced like up on stage with Mark Giordano. So he was presumably it? was there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Handsome yeah. man. Looking great. Okay. Um, but, yeah. So, anyway, my hope, and I'll just go, go, I'm gonna go ahead and lay it out there. I would like to see Seattle fall out in the Pacific. Get Edmonton and Calgary in there. Let's just do that. Vegas and the Albertan teams. What is going to happen? They can, they can have a wild card spot if they want. Like Calgary went over Arizona last night, which is good on them. But yeah. like they, they're they're not looking like a team that even if they got in can can stretch anything. Do you think out. so though? Like to me, they're tender. Like they're just not the app, but actual small pieces of wood. Like they are just they're ready at any time to go to catch fire. No, the flames, I, if you will. I, I don't see it. You don't, hey? No, I don't see it, and I don't know what it is. It's just uh, is to it me, a chemistry thing? They've are been they so up and down? Are they just are they just a little too slow collectively? Not a fast team. Definitely not a fast team. Um, I'm gonna give you their fancies here while we're oh quickly. Yeah. Uh, Philip Grubauer was signed on July 28th, 2021, and Chris Drieger was signed on July 21st, 2021. Yeah. Drieger so went first. Drieger was seven days before Grubauer was signed. And just to me, that's just have, shocking. Calgary, they is have you, not, yeah. that you would go and spend that type of money on that guy, and then 
a week later, go and get uh, to start your, your organization. Big horse. Now you're waving them a year and a half later. Calgary is the fourth best defensive team by expected goals in the NHL. But that's they not could... on the back of Dork Markstrom. <laughs> <They> could... <laughs> right? I do have glass. And that's not off the back what of if, Markstrom. If Mark, Markstrom starts to play well, they trade for one more guy who shoots in the net. Flames win the. the you got a lot of if my aunt had, you know. Yeah, she'd I do. be my uncle. I know the expression. Kind of, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like a it. lake up my. We'd all be fishing. <laughs> all right, our thanks to Billy Garen. Who else do we have on the show? Mike Rupp and Dave Amber. We're back tomorrow, everybody. Have a great night.